Welcome to TechTO Quick Takes, broadcasting live on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. It's Thursday, February 25th, 2021, and today we'll be talking about Vancouver's Dapper Labs shoots some hoops to raise $250 million. Toronto-based Borowell raises $25 million to acquire Kelowna, BC-based Refresh Financial, and another quiet Canadian tech company acquired for a billion dollars. But if you do know who we're talking about, leave a comment now, and we're going to hook up a random viewer who gets it right with a free one-month TechTO Insider membership. We'll also be reacting to your questions and your comments throughout. So show us some emoji love, drop a comment, and we'll shout it out live. Let's get started. Alex, come on up. Are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm, but I'm disappointed. Why don't we like going to TikTok and Clubhouse as well? Come on, Jason. <laughs> Hook us oh my up. God. I think, you know what? I think it can be done. If you know how to do it, drop us a comment and we will get it set up. First up, Alex, a slam dunk for Dapper Labs. Why does that name sound familiar? And why am I hearing some faint meowing in my mind? Well, don't know if you remember. Uh, we actually, Dapper Labs was the talk of the country I think it was like two years ago when I introduced Crypto Kitties. They were collectible kitties. They were NFTs that would you could breed, you could sell the offsprings, and you didn't know what you were going to get. So it was like the buzz of the blockchain for three to four months, and then they went quiet. And now they're back with um, Top Shot. Okay, so what? So first of all, explain what an NFT is. I, I've yeah. heard this a lot. It's something about some sort of digital virtual something, but I, I don't get it. I used to collect. I think you used to collect comic books, right? Yeah, I used so, to collect comic books. I used to have a few uh, sports cards as well. So, so tell me a little bit how this how this compares to the old collectibles of yesteryear so, for Alex. So let, let, let me first explain this. So Dapper Labs, just one more thing, came out of a dev shop called Axiom Zem, and they spun out, um, and then they started with these NFTs. So they were called that back when it was CryptoKitties was called you know, digital, digital assets. Now we call it NFTs, which stand for non-fungible tokens. Mm. So the idea here is, hey, you know, if you own a baseball card, you knew you owned it. But, you know, even in the offline world, if you had a signature, like I had a Ken Griffey Jr. bat signed by Ken Griffey Jr. When I went to sell, no one believed it was signed by him. I had to have like, you know, and even if I had to, you know, I could, you know, people said, oh, you could fake that certificate of, of. And, and of how, how much do you think that bat was worth, Alex? Uh, probably a couple hundred bucks. Um, <laughs> You know, and then NFTs basically are saying, hey, you know what? We're going to create digital assets mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to track the history of this asset and know it's authentic. So just like a blocked, a, you know, a, a Bitcoin, mm -hmm. you can go look at who's owned in the past and there's a blockchain of it. And you know that Bitcoin's only, your only person can use it. Digital assets or NFTs are on blockchains. You can see the history, you see the authenticity, you see, um, so what's being, what's happening now here with like NFTs is they're, they're using it for all sorts of stuff like GIFs or videos. So in this case, I don't know if you want to explain what, what Dapper Labs is doing, but they partnered with NBA and, and launched this thing called Top Shots. Okay. And Top Shots is, if you go to the site, it looks like you know a digital version of your, your, your basketball cards. You can go buy a pack, mm -hmm. get five moments. And each moment is a video of, let's say, LeBron James dunking. Right. And they number it from one to whatever number. Yeah. And you own that so let's say it's one to 500 you have the lebron james dunking and you have number five you now own that and you can trade it and treat it like a you know a basketball card but here but, it's uh, but i'm confused alex i understand that we're using a non-fungible token to take something that is digital and make it rare but here's the thing can't digital things be copied like wasn't the whole point of having your baseball bat or your comic books that there were there was a limited number Tell me, I, I get that you can't copy it exactly, but can I go and view LeBron James's dunk on YouTube? What makes it special to own the Top Shot? 
Oh, well, I think that's a bit of the controversy right now because I think people say, well, I think there's two ones. There's one is, hey, you just own that video. Like, I think with what I see with Top Shots, you just get this, you know, the clip, like the ESPN highlight right. of that duck. And yes, you can go to ESPN and see it. Someone can actually, you know, copy your screen, but you don't own the original one. Mm. Um, so what, what's the real value of assets? I guess it's the same thing. What's the value of Bitcoin? What's also happening in some cases, you're seeing NFTs, which come with other rights. Hey, if you own this NFT, if you sell it, like, so, so, so for, let's go away from um, Top Shots, but like, let's go to art. Like there's lots of NFT right. digital art being sold. Every time that piece sells, the original artist gets a piece of it. Got and, it. and like, and so there's people saying, Hey, maybe you can get an NFT for concert tickets and maybe, Owning the NFT will let you see a private concert online again in six months, like a like a recast mm. or something like that. So, Got there's it. there's going to be right now. I think they are just basically being copied, and you're saying, okay, the scarcity is that it's numbered. It's like having a it's like having a litho print of a Warhol or Gaudi, right? So, so do you own any? Do you own any NFTs, Alex? Do you own any Top Shots or any digital? <laughs> no, art? I, I was invited to buy some in October, and with the prices are going at now, I, I feel like I should have. Like I said, okay, twenty. <laughs> it was like twenty bucks for five gifs, you know, or video clips. I'm like, why do I need that? But like. These are going for like 200, 500, 200,000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is a $250 million raise. So I guess are, are those prices like, is that what's driving the rate? What's the money going to be used well, for? So, Why is this? What, what's going on here? So I think there's a couple of things you have to, you have to unpack this, right? Top Shots itself supposedly done $200 million in transactions. Right. So this looks like there's product market fit here. And that's right? primaries, right? Like when they get resold, they don't take a piece of it as well. Or how does they, that they, work? They, they, the market has to be done on their on their um, market. So the uh, transactions have to the market. And so it's not clear what if that's 200 million. I don't think it's 200 million primaries because they, they, the packs are like 15 bucks a piece and there's like limited to 5,000 packs. So that's what quickly math that's 75,000. So it's it's probably lots of secondaries. Yeah. But I think why have they raised so much money? I think what, what Dapper has shown is they understand how to create mm -hmm. buzz, uh, how, to, how to create- how well, to create Look at this, Alex. We have, a, we have David on LinkedIn saying, there are 40,000 people in line ahead of him to buy a top shot. How about yeah. that? And, and, and I think they have what, 2,500 packs and they just randomly pick someone. It's like Dapper Labs knows how to build product buzz. Yeah. And they now, well, I think the $250 million is because look, they've taken someone else's IP and they've shown they can take that IP and mix with like CryptoKitties was buzzy they can make something that right. hopefully will have a long period and like they have partnerships already lined up with dr seuss enterprise warner music and ufc so uh -oh. dr you know, seuss when the kids get involved you know that's game over right alex yeah but like again yeah. like again 200 million dollars let's say they even make 10 percent of that so it's a 20 million revenue so it seems like a rich valuation but i think it you know like dapper labs looks like the leader in this category by far yeah. Amazing. And so um, if you're part of the Tech TO community, whether you're in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, or somewhere else in Canada, what what's interesting about this for you? Why does this matter to you? Well, I, I think a few things. First of all, it shows that Dapp, I think it just, just as I just said before, it proves that Dapper Labs knows what they're doing and they yeah. are the leader in NFT. There's there's a bunch of other, NFT seems to be all over the web, right? In the last few weeks, everyone seems to be talking about the digital art they bought, yeah. but no one's close to the revenue size at Top shots have done, have shown, and they've previously did with CryptoKitties early early on. So I think that's interesting. I think the second thing is, if you had any doubt that crypto's back, it's it's a back for the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is a massive round for for Vancouver, which really hasn't had ma that many massive rounds since the mid 2010s. So it mm -hmm. shows that the ecosystem there is still doing well. And personally, I, I regret not taking that offer to buy a top shop, <laughs> top shop pack in October. So learning, learning here is when you get when you see a digital NFT in early access, take 
even if you think it's crazy, take it. Well, how about this? Why don't we give people um, early access to um, uh, buy a TechTO newsletter? What do you think of that? <laughs> well, so- <laughs> are, are we starting TechTO newsletters, NFTs? Yeah, why you, not? You know, you can buy Wednesday's NF- email NFT. That's right. That's right. So uh, if you want awesome Canadian tech news in your inbox every Monday, or maybe awesome tech career opportunities in your inbox on Wednesdays, or maybe you want to know about interesting people and funding insights on Friday, you need to subscribe to the TechTO newsletter, right? Can't miss it. Can't miss it. All right. Next up, Borowell raising $25 million to pay for the acquisition of Kelowna, BC-based Refresh Financial. Alex, tell me about what Andrew and Eva have been building over the last few years with Borowell. So, you know, Borowell is a Toronto-based company. Uh, they're de- you know, if you ask them what they're doing, they're dedicated to making financial stability possible for everyone. So what does that mean? Um, they offer you free credit scores. Uh, they provide education. Uh, they help you monitor your score. They have a di- bunch of digital tools to make you smarter about your financial health and to find new products for your financial health. So um, they are, and they're pretty large. They've got 1 million plus members and they mm-hmm. sort of, they're, you know, the, you know, they're the ones looking out for the rest of us, you know, making sure you don't, you know, Jason, when you have that big debt, it tells you to why you shouldn't be buying 10 Topshop cards. I don't know, man. I think that's the future of my children's education. Hey, you're being audited today uh, by Amy. She is ready to hear your take on Borowell. She'll be providing some feedback in the chat to see if you got this right. Um, now, I got to ask, I, I we love Borowell, longtime community members at TechTO, uh, actually part of the movement that started a Canadian tech ecosystem uh, with the work they were doing with Toronto Homecoming uh, maybe seven or eight years ago. I don't know Refresh Financial, Alex. This is new to me. Tell me a little bit more about uh, Refresh Financial. So I actually had never heard of Refresh Financial myself either. I, I guess it's not targeted us. They're, like you said, they're not in Vancouver, like in Okanagan Valley, which actually has quite a bit going on there. They were started in 2013, and they offer what's called secured saving loans mm-hmm. with the idea that customers can build their savings, build their credit at the same time, and they've expanded to a bunch of like other products like secured visas. Um Supposedly have a hundred thousand Canadian customers and eight hundred, I guess, referral partners. I guess that's affiliates. And you know, when I looked at what's a secured saving loan, I never heard of this product before. And it looks like a savings account which you can borrow against. And it, it's like it looks like almost like a line of credit that you build you build your credit history for. So, is this a product that you think more Canadians need access to? Is the idea here there's a cross sell product between the membership bases of Borrowell and Refresh? Uh, I, I think there's a great cross sell because remember, like what. The, Lots of Canadians need to re- repair their credit rating or understand their credit rating. Yep. And so I imagine, hey, you have a poor credit rating, but you should have a much higher one. You can get, looks like a secured saving loan is a great way to instantly or instantly quickly improve your credit rating by putting money in, borrowing against it, and then paying it back quickly. And so then the banks say, okay, this is a less risky person. So it seems like a perfect mix. So how big is the combined company? I know there have been some rumors or whispers or claims that Borwell is Canada's biggest fintech. Does this solidify that? Well, you tell me how big is all simple. <laughs> hey, Alex, we can't we can't be live when we talk about that kind of stuff. All right, come on, stick to the script here. Tell me about Borwell's size. Well, again, so it's interesting to try to read between the numbers because Borwell says you know acquisition doubled their size of customers. So I, I'm just, I, it's not clear to me what a customer is because I think Refresh and press releases had 100,000 Canadian customers. So that means Borwell now is 200,000 Canadian customers, but they have like, I've seen as many as a million and a half members. I guess that's people that are monitoring their credit score. So it looks like they touch up to 
you know, 2 million Canadians alive, which is pretty big. They have 130 employees. Um, you know, it, it's not clear to me. So I, I imagine that's one of the bigger Canadian fintechs, like, cause again, like sensible powers, all the credit cards for all these companies too. So what, how many, how many people do they touch? There you go. I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of mystique around the title of the biggest Canadian fintech and, uh, Hey, the more people we have vying for that title, the better. I love it. So why is this interesting to the tech TO community? I mean, people who've been following Andrew and Eva's journey for, uh, for years now, seeing it come to the next level. Um, what are the big takeaways here, uh, for people watching right now? Well, I, I think it's, so Borwell was hit by COVID and they sort of had a fall from grace. People are saying, oh, they're in bad shape. They've laid off 20% of the people. They sort of went quiet and they sat there and built this business back up despite the headwinds they had. Um, and it, show, it shows that there is money out there to help you with an acquisition and to grow. Like this is 20, they raised 25 million. I don't know what percent of this was went to the refresh, but there was a significant portion. If you look at who invested, it's some interesting people like, there's, who is it? That's what I was just going to ask. Do who, who's who's um, who's leading this round? Who's participating? Well, again, it's not clear to me who's leading, but you have Kensington Capital and BDC, which are two players you often see. Portage and Whitestar were past investors are back in. But what's more interesting to me is a couple of the banks are there. Um, you got um, National Bank and EQ Bank. I, I don't I don't consider EQ Bank a big investor. So it's it's interesting to see the smaller Canadian banks uh, invest in in companies that could I guess help them become faster, quicker. Yeah. You know, what's your, like, you know, you, you've, you've dealt with this, uh, uh, non, you know, other clean financial institutions investing. What's your opinion? Yeah. Is that good or bad for the ecosystem? Oh, I think it's great. I think, um, look, this is a, this is a community and this is an economy and this is a, um, uh, an environment where we've got to work together to bring new digital, uh, experiences to Canadians. Right. And, and here's the truth, the traditional incumbents, they've got the Rolodex. They've got millions and millions of Canadians uh, information and life savings. And the more that we can integrate digital products into their workflows, I think the better. I think the the disruption needs to happen together, uh, not one or the other. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, what's out, what you haven't mentioned here is, and who usually gets mentioned in the same breath as Borwell, is the US attacker, right? Credit mm -hmm. Karma. There, mm. it's, what's interesting is, when Credit Karma entered this market, they entered with a flurry, and I think they at one point they had claimed to have more members than than uh, Borwell. But just like Borwell went quiet in COVID, so is Credit Karma. Mm. And I think Borwell has built a much more unique approach to the market and a, diff a different approach. And it seems like now they've they fought back and may have taken leadership position and have a more robust product in this country. So it's 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 very interesting because lots of Canadians worry about you know the big U.S. incumbent with tons of money and you know, like, look, you know, Parwell's raised a lot of money for Canadian company, but I don't know, Credit Karma was acquired for what, $7 billion. There you go. So Alex, you know, one place where you can hear from Andrew, Eva, and the founders of Credit Karma? Where? At TechTO live streams, Alex. Those are interactive live streams where you, watching it from YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, or Periscope, can actually meet and learn some of the leaders in the tech community, expand your network, and grow together. And we've got some amazing ones coming up. Alex, look at this. Happening right now. It's a retail marketing crossover discussing the future of beauty in 2021, including Katie Welch, the CMO of Rare Beauty, of course, Cello and Tennille know Rare Beauty well. Alex, me and you are just getting acquainted. Selena Gomez's cosmetics line, a juggernaut of a, of a business. And she is sharing right 
nail some of the insights that founders and leaders need to know to up their marketing games together with Marie and Kelly from Sampler. Pretty cool, right? We'll be jumping on there right after this. Well, I got I got more though, Alex. You ready? Oh, before that, yeah. Did you, there is Canadian business news about uh, one of the beauty companies. What's that crazy one? Um, that oh, Decium. Yeah, Decium got bought yesterday. Oh, who bought them? I thought they L were. Um, I thought L'Oreal was already. L'Oreal bought the rest of it for like a, like I think a billion something. Got it. That's a crazy story. If you want to talk about that, definitely we should talk about that in our Slack, uh, Tectio Insider Slack. Alex, look at this one coming up after that. Intuit Prosperity Accelerator Demo Day with a fireside chat with Scott Cook, the co-founder Intuit. How excited are you for oh, this? I'm very excited. Jason, this seems like um, oh, interesting placement of where to talk about this, considering Intuit bought Credit Karma, which is Borwell's biggest competitor. Holy cow. This is going to be huge. You better believe the Borwell team is going to be there getting inside information, but also all sorts of really amazing Canadian fintech companies going to be up on stage uh, presenting. You'll be seeing the future Borowells, the future Credit Karmas, all together with Scott Cook and the Intuit Prosperity Accelerator Demo Day. And then wait, last one I want to talk about, International Women's Day coming up. And we've got Tamar Huggins-Grant, a veteran of the TechTO stage, going to be talking about the women in tech, the future of Canadian technology with a stellar lineup. How pumped are you for this, Alex? Super excited. Can't wait to watch it. Uh, Tamara has a lot to say, and she and she has no uh, no no reason not to say it. So she's pretty bold, and I'm I'm looking forward to what she has what wisdom she has to give to us. Awesome, super pumped. Which brings us to our last topic on today's quick takes, Alex. Before we get started, we we sort of been teasing this as another quiet Canadian tech company acquired for a billion dollars. At the beginning of today's live stream, we said, if you know who we're talking about, drop a comment and we'll reach out and hook you up with one month free membership to the TechTO Insider Program. And guess what? We have got some people who have delivered here on Twitter. It was galvanized, purchased by Diligent. Ding, ding, ding. That is one month free for TechTO Insider membership. And then we got another one here on LinkedIn. MJ, congrats, Galvanize on the so, huge exit. So, Jason, how are we going to hook them up? Do you have their, can you get their email? Do they have to just email you, Jason, at techTO.org? Let's just tell the internet how to get in touch with me. That is the best way. <laughs> Message me at Jason at techTO.org and we will hook you up. So, all right. We can unveil it now. Last night, Diligent acquires Vancouver-based Galvanize for $1 billion. You know what's cool, Alex? A billion dollars. So let's yeah, talk about maybe this Maybe in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> that, this okay. buys you like five top shots now. That's right. Well, yeah. Or uh, five of those uh, TechTO newsletters that we're going to put uh, onto NFTs. the uh, NFTs coming up. So look, you got you to gotta walk me through this deal. This came out of nowhere for me. I know you're familiar with the players here, but tell us a little bit about Galvanize. So Galvanize used to be known as ACL. So I think a few people will know who ACL is. ACL is sort of like one of those large Vancouver-based SaaS companies that people know exist, but don't really know what they do. What they do is they build this security risk managed compliance and audit software for the governance risk management compliance market. So, you know, what does that really mean? It means if you're on a board or if you're, you know, senior executive at a company and you want to know what, what potential risks you are, what, 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 you know, audit or compliance, this is a software that does it. They were started in 87 and didn't raise money till 2017. So do, how much do we know about the team, Alex? Are you familiar with the team that started this in 1987? So you were, you were middle-aged back then. I was yeah. two. 
Uh, so tell me more about what was going on in the market in 87 and, and who is the team that that's been building this for, for, well, you know, 30 something years. I think it was a UBC prof that started to be honest. Uh, I'm not that familiar with the story here. Um, it was started. seems was, like a great story for a tech TO interactive live stream. No. Yeah. We should reach out to the founders. I think we'll give them a week or so. Um, also what's, what's interesting here is like, again, they, they bootstrapped it for what 30, roughly exactly 30 years. <laughs> and then, then they raised 50 million from a PE shop called Norwest, right? So, mm. um, you know, it's very interesting. And they not only bootstrap them, but they did acquisitions before and after they raised money. So, is this a should, roll? Is it a roll up strategy that was involved? Not, here? not, not really roll up. I think diligence is more of a roll up. So, like, Got again, so for people that don't know what a roll up is, it says a company exists saying we're going to get all these small companies in the market. We can pay four times EBITDA or revenue for them. And then when we, we acquire them all, we're worth eight to 10 times. Mm -hmm. um, what I saw with Galvanize, if you look at their history, it's a bunch of tuck-in acquisitions. It's not a roll-up. Diligent, who's on the other end of this, um, is definitely a roll-up. They, you know, their SaaS coming. Look, they, what they describe themselves as: uh, they enable board members of corporations, governments, organizations, and not-for-profits to share and collaborate information for board meetings. It sounds very similar to Galvanize, but the difference here is they've raised, you know, the a they they, they serve sixty percent of the Fortune thousand companies. Um, which means they have not, and they have nineteen thousand customers, and they recently raised five hundred million from Blackstone and Clearly Capital. And they so, have, so they're deploying that capital. Yeah. That's that's what's here. And we have um, we've got uh, Tim uh, Tectio Insider mentioning that it's the U.S. standard for boards, both public and uh, not for profit. So thanks for that tip, Tim. Uh, so so tell me they they've raised the fund. They're doing the roll up play. Um, it's a billion dollars. Tell me how the economics work. Uh, you know, how does how what what informs that price, and what what do you think okay. is justifying that valuation? This is more assumptions than anything else. First of all, the price tag is not confirmed, but I like I saw four or five articles and breakdowns stuff like that, and it all seems to be in the billion dollar range. So usually, where there's smoke, there's fire. So maybe it's nine hundred fifty, maybe it's a billion two. You know, what's a couple of fifty to hundred million dollars? Um, <laughs> then then I also so I was looking at. Press releases before and after from Diligent. It looks like so they've done two quick acquisitions, mm -hmm. which looks like has added about three two three hundred million in revenue run rate. So based on where the companies were in the acquisition prices, it looks like if I were to guess, Galvanize has a hundred hundred fifty million revenue. So they're getting paid for a multiple of that revenue. They're getting paid because they can cross sell. I don't know how many customers they had, but there's nineteen thousand customers that Diligent has that now they can add a new feature to and charge right. for it. And you know. I think this was also a great win for Norwest. They came in four years, three, four years ago, and they've, they've, I don't know what they paid a fifty. You know, they bought, they bought fifty million dollars. I assume they bought a third to half the company minimum, and they just made supposedly five hundred million. So who else? Who else are the winners here? Who else is uh, is cashing out and taking some liquidity? Well, I guess I guess the founders. So are, I guess are they well, sticking around? I haven't read anything on it. it just it's it's it just, like I said, this broke last night or late mm -hmm. yesterday. So haven't seen much reaction from it. I you know, saw the normal corporate quotes from the diligent found the diligent CEO. My right. view is private equity's done well. And some some people in Vancouver are much richer this morning than two days ago. So is that the takeaway for the TechTO community? Like more funds into the hopefully early stage uh, and scale up ecosystem from this? Well, I think my takeaway is a bit different. Like one thing is the tech ecosystem here, and I don't think it's any different in the Valley, but we, we don't talk much about what's going with the private equity players. And if you look, there's been all the biggest exits or acquisitions over the last 36 months or like 70% of them are private equity players looking at Canada for these companies that have been around for 20 years that have built a niche product with a bit of a moat. And 
like look intellects what they sold for 500 700 million mm. i can't remember now and yep. the private equity firm bought them like private equity firms are super active here and and are and are changing the landscape and then we just don't talk enough about that i think the other thing is you know acl was known but they weren't a darling right and they, they changed their name and we you know here's a big company that's maybe not growing at 300 percent a year but was growing and we sort of ignore it um the other thing is i think acquisitions are really underrated like i don't know what percent of revenue growth came to acquisitions for uh galvanize right but I'm sure it was more than 10 or 20 percent. Well, and, look, and we, we you, see we see people learning from that playbook. You know, today we just spoke about Borowell making that acquisition on refresh. Uh, yeah. and so you know, people are learning from that. And and hopefully there's, you know, we I think I think there's there's gotta be a toolbox of growth, both inorganic and organic for for the next generation of companies. And and I think you're saying that we're behind on the inorganic side. I'd say it's we're behind and it's undervalued in this ecosystem. Mm. I'd also say the other thing here is it just goes back to like when we started TechTO, one of the objectives was to make it a more unified ecosystem. Yeah. And it just shows like the companies that were around more than a decade really don't partake in the ecosystem. So like, right. like I would love, like here's a company that, and again, I can't say how active in Vancouver, but the time we spend in Vancouver the activity there, it's, it's not like they've reached right. out to us. It's not like they've reached out to the community. I think they, you know, it's like, it's a different mindset. And I wish like there's a lot of larger companies that founders could learn from if they were more involved. Alex, if only there was a place maybe virtually where we could bring together all the early stage founders, scale-ups, and those who have done it before and are looking to give back and mentor those that are coming up next. Hold on a second. Check this out. The TechTO Insider Membership. If you want to join a community of Canadian tech founders, entrepreneurs, innovators, and funders, you got to join, right, Alex? You have to. You have you, to. You, you want more time with Jason? It's the only That's way. Right. Get, it's the only <laughs> way you're gonna get him. That's right. And but you know we we've just been really lucky uh, to bring on a brand new organization. Almost 200 members joining um, just a few weeks ago. Alex, you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, well Pierre Scale, are you talking about? Yeah, that's Pierce. You talked yeah, about so, how so, do we how do we get people involved? Well, how do we get those galvanized yeah, so uh, I, I, founders I think involved? Pierre Scale is like the scaled up founders, right? These are people that have built, and it's interesting. Some of the companies, some of the names in the companies you'll recognize, like uh, there's uh, Diana from Aqua Mo Mobile, but there's a bunch of these like late stage growth companies where the founders sure. are involved. And and they're, what the great thing is they're eager to learn from each other, but they want to actually mentor up and coming founders. And so I think there's about three to 500 people um, in peer scale. Yeah, and I think they're going to be great add to the community, and I think we'll all we'll all learn a lot from them. That's right. So if you're looking to to grow your business, grow yourself, grow your career, and grow your impact in the Canadian tech ecosystem, got to become a TechTO insider. Alex, holy cow, what a week in Canadian tech, right? Yeah, it's funny. I, on Tuesday, I was like, God, nothing's happening this week. And <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, if you haven't already, you got to like and subscribe wherever you're watching. Uh, we'll see you on the inside. And now it's time to play our theme music. We're in the business of delivering impossible things. We're in the business of delivering things that nobody's ever seen before. If you build that culture, you'll come up with you know really cool and innovative stuff and you know, literally could be in the next multi-billion dollar idea. So this conversation is largely going to be about scaling yourself and scaling your leadership team. I want to talk about one of the biggest struggles that I think a lot of startups face early on, which is building initial traction. 